On today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition, TV specs, specs, and more specs, QLED, HDR, and Dolby Vision, who's buying 8K, and what comes after OLED. Thanks as always for everybody for joining us here live. We stream weekday mornings at 10.15 a.m. on YouTube, Periscope, and CNET.com slash Daily Charge. If you get a chance, please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter while we grow our channel. Uh, But since we know from experience that our audience base is perpetually thirsty for the best and newest TVs, let's go ahead and get to the reason everyone's here today, which is the Q&A portion with David. BBG, what are the people asking about? Well, the people want to know about how to get the most bang for their buck as per usual. Uh, but first and foremost, we want to give a shout out to Jay from Jersey. He says, I bought my TCL P series because of the extraordinaire David Katzmeyer's recommendation. So you definitely have one fan out there, David. Awesome. You have, okay, two fans. All right, well, my <laughs> mom. I'll, I'll count myself. She, she bought my TV. Uh, TV. <laughs> really? Oh, three. That's great. We're growing my channel. Right. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, the first question we're going to take is from Timothy. He says, is there a TV out there that has more than four HDMI ports? I, I like this question because in the trend where computers are doing away with any kind of port activity and everything's going wireless, albeit with a bit of a bumpy road. Don't get me wrong. I hate wires. So naturally, I took a career in audio engineering. Uh, but this whole problem with like being able to actually connect devices and many generations of devices. Are there TVs out there with lots and lots of ins and outs? Well, yeah, there's uh, one I can think of off the top of my head, the T- uh, Vizio P-Series and the Vizio PX-Series, uh, P-Series Quantum. Those have a five uh, HDMI, but they really don't get much more than that. Uh, you can throw on an HDMI switch for, for like 20 bucks. We have a yeah, great article I about that. Yeah, yeah. If, if you run it at inputs. Um, of course, it's a pain, like Brian, Brian was saying. At the end of the day, uh, most TVs, though, max out at four, even the most expensive ones. Yeah, but like you said... Um, don't feel the need to overspend to get more ports because you can get uh, like an outside port, you know, a switch pretty pretty inexpensively. Yeah, and they have remotes and they make it pretty easy. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, you're dealing with a second box, so. Yeah. Uh, next coming in, we're going to talk to Yan. He uh, asks, well, he states, I wonder if there is a practice of increasing the price before a sale like on Prime Day just so that they can justify the excuse to apply a discount for an artificially you know, inflated I, price. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I, I was doing a lot of like radio hits during Prime Day, and that is the baked-in assumption that a lot of people have, especially around Prime Day, because it's this random made-up holiday, sales holiday in July. So they just assume that the price will get jacked up, and then they'll lower it and yeah. make it seem like it's an actual sale. If you're really that concerned about that, there are uh, comparison websites like camelcamelcamel.com, which will legitimately let you know what the price comparisons have been over the past 30 or 60 days. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to feel like you're you know, getting duped or something by, by these uh, companies. The other thing is, is that with Prime Day specifically, it's become such a competitive Christmas in July type of thing that uh, it would surprise me if they're all just making up their sales because mm-hmm. they're all like desperately trying to get sales during the slow summer season. Yeah, and, and another factor is that TV manufacturers, major manufacturers like Samsung, they dictate the price. Like they're the ones who set the price, and so the price will be the same no matter what retailer are looking at. If there's going to be a spike and then you know a fall to get it to a discount level, 
uh, you know, that's going to be uh, determined by the manufacturer. And I've really never seen manufacturers do that. They, they generally just keep going down and down and down yeah. throughout the year. Right. As they're, you know, like that model is starting to get long in the tooth and they're getting ready to come out with the next model. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, one thing that I did want to ask you at, at this point is, is like, okay, so I'm looking at a 2018 model versus a 2019 model of yep. literally any type of television. Yep. Is there something in the 2019 model that's like a really must have in like this year's set that like I'm gonna miss a lot if I bought last year's model? No. So the 2018 <laughs> models are really similar to the 2019 models. TVs, I'll take a step back. TVs are, are pretty mature technology, much like phones, much like PCs. You're gonna do pretty darn well buying the slightly older one compared to the newer one. And there is, isn't a, a feature or a picture quality enhancement that I can think off the top of my head that is a must have. You're gonna get a slightly brighter picture, slightly more dimming zones, slightly better image quality. But for example, every OLED TV I've reviewed in the last four years has the same score and picture quality. Mm. And I just say, buy the cheapest one. Because, I mean, for example, there's a $300 savings now if you buy last year's OLED. The problem is, they start to go away, like we were talking about. So, you know, that they uh, you know lose stock and then the 2019s come in. So, yeah, I would say if that 2018 model is on sale, this is a great time to get it. Yeah, good point. Next question's coming from our old friend Srinjoy. Katz, do you like the new 8K TV from Sharp? Oof. Uh, first of all, I, this is, I've, I've heard about Sharp's 8K TVs, but I've never seen one in person. Uh, 8K in general is a waste of money. Uh, if it has you know, full array local dimming, uh, some, some things that can improve the image quality besides that 8K, sure, I'd, I'd be willing to consider it. But I'll take a step back. The, the Samsungs uh, out now, the 8K Samsungs, 8K Samsungs do have full array local dimming and do have uh, some really good picture quality chops uh, based on the reviews that I've done on the 4K models. And you know, I did a kind of hands-on of the you know, $15,000 85-inch 8K Samsung. So those uh, really, I think, do have a great picture. But you know, that thing's $3,500 for a 65-inch. Maybe the Sharp is a little bit cheaper at that size, but again, at that size, 8K resolution will give you even less of a benefit than it would, than it would at 75 inches, and again, no 8K content. Right, that's what I was gonna ask about, is, is that primarily, do you think that it's a waste of money because there's really no 8K content to actually Yeah, that's watch. one of three reasons. One of three reasons? <laughs> one, okay, another, I got one of them. Right, and another one is, is the fact that 8K is almost to the point of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to tell the difference for most people between a 1080p and a 4K TV uh, at a normal seating distance. Well, with unless I'm watching like size. a David Attenborough show. You right. know, then, then you're like, oh wow, like what an amazing waterfall. But otherwise, if I'm watching you know, just regular television yep. or like some sort of like, you know, crime drama or whatever. Like, am I really going to notice the difference? Not really. Right. And, and there's so many other factors besides just the resolution. For example, Blu-ray 1080p can look much better than 4K streaming in a lot of circumstances. Mm. Um, but, you know, long story short, 8K is a lot of money right now and very little content and, and it's hard to see the difference. So, you know, I, I think most people shouldn't really even be considering it now. Mm. Boy, the questions are really plowing in now. Uh, as oh, yeah, a follow-up to 8K, Imagine Soggy asks, when will 8K TVs become more readily available for purchase? Well, you can buy them right now on Amazon. 3500 bucks for a Samsung 65. Uh, that said, we're going to see more manufacturers jump in. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see ex- inexpensive 8K OLEDs anytime soon, but I do expect to see TCL. Uh, they announced at CES that they'd be playing the 8K arena this year. Uh, we'll see an announcement from them probably pretty soon, hopefully, because you know it's getting on in the year. 
Uh, and Vizio said that they're not doing any AK TVs this year. So Sony is obviously selling AK TVs for ridiculous amounts of money. Uh, so those are kind of the big US manufacturers. And if you just go down the list, you're, you're still waiting on the discount brands to, to step into the arena. So we'll see that probably 2021. Uh, or next year, you know, it, it's it's going to come and it's going to come fast. I mean, just judging by how quickly those Samsungs have come down in price, they started at five thousand. Now they're thirty-five for the sixty-five-inch TV. So it's still eight, a lot of money. It is. It's it's crazy. But those AK TVs, just like the four K TVs before them, you, before before you know it, you'll be able to afford one. So related to diminishing returns, eight K is already a scenario in which those diminishing returns. Is your expectation that at some point that game is going to stop being played? You know, because we went from 1080p mm-hmm. to 4K, now they're starting to play in 8K. Right. I'm assuming 16K is the next that's, step. That's the next step. So. Right, but like 8K already seems a little bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the whole thing with megapixels on phones yep. that they're just going to move on to a different type of technology at some point and stop emphasizing this, I don't know, whatever the K is. Right, yeah, so I, I agree uh, 16K is kind of crazy to think about, um, but who knows? I mean, it, t- the thing about LCD technology is that it's really easy to make those tiny pixels, and you know, there, there's a lot of issues, actually, between 4K and 8K. For example, you lose brightness significantly when you go to 8K uh, with mm. the same backlight power, uh, powering a 4K TV, just because there's more of a grid. There's more pixels to deal with. Wow. So that's a factor. Um, so yeah, eight, 16 is, again, going to be four times as many pixels, uh, that much more of an issue. So it's uh, not going to be as bright. Well, again, for the same amount of backlight. So you can always throw more LEDs back there and suck more power out of the wall, but uh, you're going to get, just for the same screen size, uh, different resolutions that have different efficiencies. And, so, and also, I, I guess it would impact your, your electric bill, but at the same time, if you're affording an 8K or hypothetically 16K television, that's right. not really going to harm your budget. And, and TVs are, are pretty efficient now. So that's just that's just one thing. I mean, there's a, a couple of other things where I feel like the main issue is bandwidth. So you're talking about streaming. Uh, mm-hmm. 8K streaming uh, requires a heck of a lot more bandwidth than 4K streaming. And again, the, the returns are so small that the guys on the production side, on the streaming head end, are going, is this worth it? You know, uh, uh, what am I doing here? You know, why, I, I, we're not even at a real penetration of 4K yet. That's what so, I was just about to ask you, is, is that there are only a handful of Netflix shows, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, yeah. there are only a handful of Netflix shows that are actually streaming in 4K at this point. Yeah, right? and Netflix is the best case scenario. They really do have the most 4K content. Uh, iTunes is another great one. They have a lot of 4K with HDR. Uh, but when you go beyond those two, it's 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 pretty hit or miss. Amazon has a few; uh, they're ramping up. But again, it costs all these guys a lot. Uh, you can you can make it up by having a higher pricing tier, for example, charging more for a four K movie uh, like they do on uh, Vudu. But you know you're not. Uh, it, it's it's it requires a lot more bandwidth, uh, and sometimes when you're watching, it can step down. So mm-hmm. you can imagine if you're watching eight K, it'll step down to four K unless you have a really really fast internet connection. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that really puts the limit on it. Mm. A natural segue into the next question, uh, which is coming from Jay from Jersey. Uh, when do you think we'll get 4K TV channels? I hear they're going to broadcast next year the Olympics. 
Yeah, so that's uh, what we were just talking about. The issue with uh, producing live TV is even more apparent than it is with streaming. So, you know, you don't, there's literally nothing you can get. There's some sporting events. Uh, the Olympics is a good example. Um, they've, they've done some of these things as kind of one-offs. But getting the carriers to come along and produce them, Fubo TV is one of these live TV streaming services that have done a couple things in 4K, for example. DirecTV historically has done more stuff. Uh, but you, to get this widespread penetration, for example, your local cable company to deliver that requires you know them to do some upgrading and you know to get uh, you know that the obviously more buy-in from these TV shows. So you're asking for a timeline. I, I would be surprised if in 2020 or even 2021 you saw um, a major network or you know a TV channel try to go nationwide 4K. I, I think it, there's just no real impetus for it. Streaming could make it happen a little bit sooner, you know, live TV streaming in 4K. Um, but again, uh, it's you know there's really less demand for it than there ever was. So yeah, best guess maybe somebody will come along and do it in in you know two years. Is there uh, is it easier to do uh, using an antenna service at all? Yeah, so that brings up ATSC 3.0, which is the new broadcast standard for over-the-air antenna, and that includes 4K. So we just did a big update of our ATSC 3.0 article. Long story short, they're actually starting test broadcasts. There's a, a couple across the nation now where they're doing tests of 4K over-the-air antenna. Um, there is a lot more bandwidth there. So you don't have to worry about getting in it through a pipe and, and you know getting truncated when everybody else in the neighborhood is streaming at the same time, that sort of issue that happens with internet. But it requires all new hardware. It requires the station to, to get on board. It's a voluntary mandate, which means that it's just going to be in a few uh, parts of the country and guys that are willing to experiment. And you would, uh, for the customer, would they have to get a new antenna yes. to be able to... Oh, wow. Well, no, 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 sorry. The antennas work fine with okay. ATSC 3.0. That, that, antennas are dirt cheap. Hey, the thing you have to spend up on is the tuner. So there is no ATSC 3.0 tuners available in the market right now. None of the TVs will tune it. Uh, if you want to watch ATSC 3.0, uh, 4K over the air using your current television, your current 4K TV, you're going to have to buy a little adapter box like we did 15 years ago and we switched over from you know, uh, normal standard def to high def broadcasting. You need these little tuner boxes to do that. You'll need the same thing mm. for the new over the air thing. Those tuner boxes aren't available. They'll probably come out next year. My God, you know a lot about televisions. <laughs> I'll stop. Needless to say, the Daily Charge will start broadcasting in 64K starting tomorrow. Uh, oh, Jay from, nice. Jay from Jersey asks, what do you think about the format wars between HDR, Dolby Vision, and HDR Plus? Ooh, I love that. This is, you're, you're tuned in, Jay. Um, so, format wars. Yay, really, format wars. Is it really a war when you can flip a software update switch and suddenly get compatibility? Because uh, we, the original format war was the beta versus VHS, right? And you had to buy a you know a thing with the tapes and commit to this whole uh, one or the other. With uh, this, I think it's a little bit less of a war. There's still something going on. The main issue is that Samsung, the world's largest TV maker uh, by every measure, just doesn't want to do Dolby Vision. So there's the, they're a competitor. Yeah, they've they've told me that they want to 
they just don't want to pay the money, and 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 they want to keep it open format. They have their own uh, competitor division called HDR10 Plus, which very few people are even using. In fact, Amazon recently started to, you know, they have all their stuff in HDR10 Plus, and now they're starting to support Dolby Vision more by selling these Fire Edition TVs that have Dolby Vision. Both. Yeah, right? yeah. At the so, same time. So they'll they'll do well. Those won't do HDR10 Plus, interestingly enough. So that, that's an either or situation huh. for those particular TVs, but. Biggest picture is that Dolby Vision is out there on most TVs, uh, a lot of streaming services. Netflix is a huge proponent of Dolby Vision, and they totally don't care about HDR10+, for example. iTunes, again, huge supporter of Dolby Vision. Um, so these guys, and Hollywood, which is really the main thing. We talk about movies, we talk about what studios are supporting. They really are all behind Dolby Vision. So I think that's where the momentum is, and, and whether or not Samsung caves, they can kind of do what they want. You know, they're Samsung, they really do rule the TV roost, but uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say, you know, in a year or two, they decide to support Dolby Vision too, just because it's, it's going to become more and more ubiquitous. Without knowing too much about the technologies themselves, I'm personally much more pro Dolby Vision, just because it's a much better name. Right. But it is. And it's Dolby, and Dolby's pretty powerful. Yeah. You know, they're they're the, the standard for everything audio. You know, in, in Hollywood, and they have a lot of power uh, on the production side. And you know, really, I've done some comparisons. It's hard for a lot of people to tell the difference. It's hard for me to tell the difference uh, if the TV does a good job. At the end of the day, the TV and Samsung makes some really good TVs. Uh, you know, when they're showing uh, their normal HDR, HDR10 plus. Uh, video, it looks great. Uh, whether you know, without being Dolby Vision, so. Yeah, Dolby Vision has some inherent advantages, but it's not going to knock your socks off. It's really about the display itself. Hmm. Uh, opinions on Sony Bravia? Uh, we're reviewing one now. Uh, I, I might make you wait uh, for that opinion, but uh, it all depends on the TV. Uh, you know, it's hard to say one brand is great, but Sony in general in the past hasn't been the greatest value uh, just because. You know, uh, Samsung does a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, for the premium market well uh, that Sony does. If you're talking about their OLEDs, again, they're, they're a few hundred dollars more expensive than the LG OLEDs. Picture quality, not necessarily that much better in terms of, you know, whether it's worth it or not. Uh, Sony does have Android TV, if you care about that, with built-in Google Assistant and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I think there's a reason why they're, they're underselling compared to the Vizios, uh, TCLs, and Samsungs of the world. Is is that you know they they they're relying on their brand uh, to be um, great and you know they do make some excellent televisions but at the end of the day not great bang for the buck. Yeah, I have always noticed that the Bravias are just a premium yeah. above as far as pricing is concerned, which is yeah. why I typically avoid buying them. You know, yeah. like Sony has. It, it's I, I totally agree with what you said. Sony has been you know kind of a gold standard in tech and picture quality for a long time, but it sounds like there are just a lot of other competitors in the market that are doing just as well as them, if not better, yep. especially when you consider the pricing. Yeah, and we do side-by-side comparisons, and you know sometimes the Sonys are better in some areas and worse than some areas, and they're not gonna be head and shoulders above it. Um, right, but when you're talking about, okay, so let's compare on the OLED front between with LG, mm-hmm. how much money are you talking about as far as a price point difference? Like you're talking about two, $300, or as much as 500? 500 for like a, a 55, 65. I mean, I honestly, I haven't looked at the pricing on the, the newest Sony's, but there is a premium there. 
And like I said earlier, if once you get into OLED, I tell most people to just buy uh, you know the least expensive one because because it's, it's good. so good. Yeah. And uh, you know that's the TV LG's least expensive OLED that's won our Editor's Choice Award the last two years for that exact reason. It's it's so much better that the the ones that are slightly better are a couple hundred bucks more, not really worth it. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and boost this one right up to the top of the list just because I like it. Stranjoy asks Cats, which TV among the latest that you've checked out is the best audio without plugging in external speakers? Uh, so I'll be 100% honest, I literally watch them in silence. I don't <laughs> test audio, full stop. Uh, we used to. We have audio people here. Right, Ty, we'll, we'll have Ty on. Yeah, no, Ty's, uh, he's tested a few uh, listen to speakers. I used to make him come in and listen to every TV and do a whole audio thing. Not because I'm deaf, but I just don't care, sorry. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's 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 it, the reason I don't care is because you can buy an amazing soundbar for a hundred dollars or a, a very very good soundbar that will kick the butt of any TV. Mm. Uh, for yeah, the, the Vizio, the, our Editor's Choice soundbar is a hundred bucks now. So, you know, I, I literally can't answer that question. Mm. Sorry. Then try answering this one. Uh, Commander Trium wants to know what are the best TVs out there that do wireless well, specifically being able to broadcast video from the PC reliably within an apartment scenario to the TV. Is that, for, is that for gaming? Uh, why would you, you want to do that? Maybe he's talking about DLNA, uh, if he has a bunch of videos on his server on certain provenance that he wants to stream to that, uh -huh. Plex potentially. I, I mean, again, wireless is very similar. I'm on the TVs that I've tested. Uh, you're not going to get uh, generally better wireless performance uh, from one TV to the next. Again, the, the Roku's that I've tested do very well for wireless. They have pretty rock solid connectivity. Um, uh, the biggest factor, as always, will be your wireless network, uh, and probably even the wireless connection, or if it is wireless, from the PC to the wireless network. So, on the TV side, tough. I really can't tell you one's better than the other. CKT wants to know. Uh, well, he says, I love when a TV has really insane. Soap opera motion flow? Are there any OLEDs that you would recommend that has that ability, like the Sony XBR? So, I, I, I didn't know people like that. Oh, there's people out there. People like the soap opera effect? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise goes to their house, knocks on their door, and personally yells at them. Yeah. Um, every single one of them. He just travels the country doing this to people who like the soap opera effect. So watch out, uh, caller. You're going to get Tom Cruise knocking at your door. And remember to look down seconds. when the door knocks. Oh, no. You're he's very short. <laughs> And then he'll give you a noogie and be like, come on, man, I'm Top Gun. Turn off soap opera effect. Um, Tom doesn't like it. I don't like it. Uh, but if you like it, you can always turn it the heck on. So, for example, Sony has a setting that you can crank it up. Uh, it's adjustable. You can turn up that buttery smoothness to your heart's content. LG does as well. So they're both very similar. They're both super duper my, duper my smooth. My TCL has it. Yeah. The 6 Series has it. Yep. I turned it off almost immediately because I was like, what's going on here? Yes. Are there certain types of uh, content that work better for the soap opera effect than others? I mean, like they must have created this feature for something. So is it is it for live sports or is it for movies? Like, what's it? I'll tell you why they created it, friend. Because it's a feature that has a higher number. So there's a thing called Hertz, which refers to refresh rate, which um, you can put on a TV and say 120 Hertz or 240 Hertz used to be a thing, uh, and and now they have even higher numbers that are not associated with Hertz. You can get to those numbers by uh, interpolating and increasing um, the smoothness uh, with one of these soap opera effect features. So again, you can have a really good 120 hertz TV and turn it off, 
Uh, but it's one of the things, especially earlier in TV, where they really touted it. And there's some people who, who look at Judder, for example, when a camera pans over something and go, you know what, our eyes don't do that. Um, you know, and, and James Cameron and Mark Jackson are, are, are people that, did I say Mark Jackson? Uh, the yes. guy who did The Hobbit, is he the is it, Peter Jackson. Phil Peter Jackson. Jackson. Oh, that's right, okay. Two basketball people to one director. <laughs> but anyway, those guys, those two directors are a big proponents of high frame rate video. Mm. Uh, Ang Lee did the um, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, uh, that movie which nobody saw, but it's pretty well known among video dudes because the 4K Blu-ray is in 60 frames per second. Mm. If you sit down and watch that thing, it's the smoothest, craziest thing you've ever seen, but the director wanted that. So, you know, it's, it's a thing that some people like, uh, but, you know, I don't. Typical television is how many frames per second? 60. So every TV refreshes at six. Most, you know, the least expensive TVs refresh at 60. The, the step-up models refresh at 120. And then there's a lot of processing that goes into making video look differently depending. So 24 doesn't go evenly into 60, so there has to be a little bit of stuff going on there. But it usually looks really good. Uh, it does go evenly into 120, um, so, you know, you can get uh, the perfect, um, you know, frame rate uh, conversion that looks exactly like film, but you know, again, most CTVs, if you turn it off, it looks really, really good. It looks like film should, and that's kind of all most people need to care about. Mm. I'm with you, cats. It's funny. There's a lot of people chattering about The Hobbit in the chat today. Uh, speaking of the chat, there's no way in hell we're going to be able to get to every single question in here. Uh, there's so many great ones piling in, which I guess the proof is just in the pudding. We need to have cats back on, on the regular. Um, let's take two, two more. Syringoy says Netflix recommends 25 megabits per second for 4K streaming. Do you think broadcasters and producers will look into nationwide internet subscription charts and say, nah, they're lagging behind? Where does Syringoy come up with these questions? Do you have the answer to this? Uh, I didn't, I kind of lost track of the question, so I, I know they, they charge a lot. It's about whether they're, sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah. Sure, it's uh, Netflix recommends a 25 megabit per second for 4K streaming. Do you think broadcasters and producers will look into nationwide internet subscription charts and say, nah, that's lagging behind? Um, as in they'll want to maybe have more bandwidth? I don't know, I, I feel like it. maybe he's asking whether Are producers going to keep pushing that envelope so that they have to... Uh, so that inter internet providers have to compensate for the uh, higher quality of video. Yeah, that's actually a, a good question now that you put it that way. So I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I was sitting at a, 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 a conference and there was a dude from Comcast there, right? There's a big nationwide provider of, um, of bandwidth for, for internet. And he goes, yeah, we love 4K streaming because it allows us to essentially charge people a faster internet packet. Anything that will um, you know, increase the public's demand for bandwidth uh, is a good thing as far as those guys are concerned. This is, yeah, they just increase their monthly subscription rate. And yep. once you've upgraded to that level, you're far less likely to downgrade at that point. And, and it just it provides you know, more impetus to uh, think you need uh, faster internet. So, uh, you know, it, and uh, those guys are all behind it. I think, again, the big roadblock is, is the infrastructure side, is, is the customer demand side. Um, and, you know, especially with live uh, TV, I, I feel like that's still a, a pretty big hurdle for these guys to get over. All right, and final question from Timothy. What is the next tech after LG's OLED? 
Ooh, that's a great one. I'm gonna go with micro LED. Yes, micro LED. I was gonna say that. I oh, actually wow, have an ben. answer to something. Let's hear it. That's the last time that we talked about you, the last time we had you on. If I recall correctly, we did an entire show almost entirely on micro LED. We did and uh, talking about what the value of the technology is. If I remember correctly, micro LED is the exact same type of technology that they use in arenas where it's just those giant screens. What they're trying to do now is shrink them down and turn them into you know, TV technology. Yeah, uh, we, so the latest on micro LED, and I had to look this up even though I wrote it, um, the, the Samsung has started selling uh, the micro LED TVs. Uh, again, they haven't really officially told us any pricing. They say you have to call them up to get the price. Which, so, which means that it's it's six figures. So, you know, and and the technology is great because it it supposedly looks as good as OLED, but no burn-in issue. Uh, you can get a larger screen size. It's modular. All this crazy future stuff. Did you say six figures? Yes, a hundred thousand dollars for a television. Yeah. Well, they're huge. Um, what is this? The, the oh, consumer, like the, like the wall, the wall that they were showing off at CES two years ago. Yes, that, yes. That was so, a micro LED. Well, that thing is even more. I mean, it, at the end of the day, these this is a brand new TV technology. Only one guy is making it, and it's you know, uh, it starts I think at seventy three inches for this one, which is actually pretty modest. Um, I mean, right now you you pay uh, seventy grand for a ninety eight inch eight K TV. So if non micro LED, just random you know LCD. So anything that's a really really big TV starts to get really 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 expensive. Say those numbers again. Seventy eight grand for what? Seven seventy thousand dollars for a ninety eight inch eight K LCD TV from Sony and Samsung. In LCD, it's not even an OLED. No, just normal normal LCD, but it's eight uh, K. And it's 98 inches. Who and buys at that price point? Who's buying them? I, none of my friends. Nobody you know. Nobody okay. I know. All right. Yeah. Um, Maybe I want to get a really nice sports car at that price. Yeah. Of a television. And there's there, or pay for you know a, a semester of college. <laughs> Just uh, one semester. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it, the, these prices are insane for the really big TVs, and micro LED is going to be unaffordable for a long time, but. It's a great, uh, I think it's going to be potentially the next successor to OLED, but it's, it's at least four or five years down the road right. before we can talk about OLED it. OLED is not even moved into the mid-market at this point. Yep. So, yeah, that's, there's, there's still time there. Yep. All right, we are completely out of time. We are yeah. well over time, but uh, this proves that we're going to have to do these uh, Ask the S Expert source code segments a lot more often. Uh, maybe we'll have, like, Ackerman on next time or Scott Stein talk about wearables or something like that, but cats. The door's always open for you. It's always a pleasure to have you. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, guys. For sure. And uh, Ben, want to go ahead and take us home? Yeah, sure. Thanks again uh, for joining us. Feel free to find us online. We're pretty easy to track down. Let us know what you want to see more of or less of here on the show for The Daily Charge. I'm Ben Fox Rubin. David Katzmeyer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>